Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show starring Adam Bayfield, that's me, and featuring Tony Kerr, that's this guy. <sighs> good to have you back. Tony, good to Look see you. Double bills. Yeah, very good to see you too. Tony Kerr, Tony Kerr, Tony, Tony Kerr. Da, 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 I seem to remember we did receive some criticism for doing carols in <laughs> uh, what was potentially the last episode. Yeah, the most yeah. recent episode, the Christmas yeah. special. So we shouldn't really repeat that. Where did we get the criticism from? I didn't see any of this criticism. I only saw praise heaped upon us. <laughs> I didn't see carols. that. Did not see that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's voice not... Voice like an angel, they said about me. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's not a whole star off our iTunes rating. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a Sony award for it. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we are going to be surprised then. Yeah. <laughs> One way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, long time no see, man. Did you have a good crimbo? Yeah, very good. Did you? Yeah, not bad. Good, let's move on then. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Christmas? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, it's good. But the number of conversations I've had with people, where it's like, oh, hey, happy new year. You have a good Christmas? Yeah, good, thanks. You? Yeah, good, thanks. Cool. Well, well here's another one. Because also, I'm not sure, we've got to the age now where I'm not sure it's still okay to, you know, for people to ask you, oh, did you get anything, like, cool? People have asked me that. Well, I don't know, really, no. If I just check my notes no. here, my next question is going to be, <laughs> what did you get? Do you get anything cool? No. Well, not really. I don't know. Define cool. <laughs> no, I was a bit disappointed this year well, did as you well. Not actually, get cool thing. I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't say cool. In fact, I'd say rubbish. Absolute <laughs> rubbish. If my family's listening to this. I expect much better. You need to step up your game. I don't need any more clothes, Mum. <laughs> you didn't get me anything. I noticed. No. Well, you weren't here, were you? So, well, I'm here now. Well, it's, it's gone now. It's the, the opportunity's passed. I always get you something. What have you got me? It's the same every year. The gift of laughter. <laughs> the greatest gift it of is. all. It's very kind of you to once again give me that gift. So you think that people shouldn't ask about Christmas? You, you, you don't want people to ask you about Christmas? No, it's a difficult... It'd be rude if they didn't, but also it's slightly annoying when they do. <laughs> right. So there's no... It's, it's lose-lose, really. So really you just don't want Christmas to happen. <laughs> no, I like it. It's the yeah, only like way it. out of it. I like it. <laughs> what about New Year? Do you have a good New Year? Yeah, it was all right. Do you have a good one? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> cool, that's correct accent. <laughs> I see you're going in for another wet January. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, I think I might have made that joke last year. Yeah, you year. definitely made yeah, that joke yeah, last it's, year. It carries, it's still it got about 35 the likes. So. It stands the test of time. Recycle Please. your old gags. Still truly. No, I'm, I'm dry, dry to wet. <laughs> Damp. Yeah. Medium to wet January. Yeah. Well, I uh, saw... Uh, London correspondent to her New York correspondent Gordon McRae the other day. Oh, yeah. In uh, New York? In New York, yeah. And uh, he... <laughs> to get a check on him. He was ba- back over here for Christmas, uh, so hanging out with you. Uh, and he told me that he saw you, like, 
the day before New Year and you just said, I can't do it, man. I can't drink anymore. The, he said that you described yourself as a wreck and he asked you what you were doing for New Year and you said you were going to keep it chilled, you know, keep your head down, not doing anything. And then he said he saw on Instagram on New Year's Eve so that someone posted a photo and you were out. You were out and about once again. Yeah. That's the thing with it, though. It's, it's temporary, isn't it? It wears off and then, you know, then you're good to go again. That's the magic of alcohol. <laughs> it does no, <laughs> the beauty of it. no lasting damage yeah, exactly. whatsoever. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. That's yeah, good. I oh, know it does take its toll when, you know. Yeah, I can the build, see that. <laughs> the build up to kind of New Year and Christmas is lengthy, isn't it? You know, it begins. Well, I mean, here there's a, in Guernsey, uh, there's a kind of bargain menu food festival. I don't know what you call it, really. Tenefest. That's in October. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that, that's where it all starts. Right, okay. <laughs> so it starts in October, yeah. and then like November is the kind of transition to Christmas. Yeah. Of course, you've got the Maybach holiday as well, <laughs> leading into that. So, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? You've basically just got January. <laughs> January off, and which, maybe February. Which, which you're now turning into wet January. Yeah, exactly, ironically. Uh, we are, of course, I was in New York for Christmas and New Year time. Uh, what did you get up to? Just walked, just walked everywhere. Just walked and walked. It was really knackering. <laughs> let's say, uh, let's say I need a holiday. The holiday was so busy, I need a holiday now. Oh, no. So, really? Did you, uh, yeah, what do you do? Did you see any cricket? I just literally walked any everywhere. Any cricket-related anecdotes? Yeah, it was all anyone was talking about was uh, Sangakara's Double Hundred. <laughs> yeah, I just walked everywhere, saw everything. Name me somewhere in New York. I guarantee I saw it. Go on. Uh, did you go to? Did you go to the Apple Store? I didn't. No. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> of course, you not. hate Apple. <laughs> well, I hate Apple so much that I have an iPhone, iPad, yeah. and uh, MacBook. But apart from that, I do hate Apple. Yeah, with a passion. Apple TV as well. Did you? Did you go to LaGuardia? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Got you to go back. I went to JFK. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the, quite the complete holiday you're painting it out to be. <laughs> just picturing a montage. Oh, <laughs> like holiday on the, you know, just up and down the town <laughs> at LaGuardia <laughs> watching the planes come in. Well, I'll do. I'll put a little list together if you know. So what was your favourite thing, though? What was my favourite <laughs> What was your favourite thing? Uh Tough question. How long have you got? Uh, we haven't got long. <laughs> people, are, people are switching off. Uh, well, we went on a walking tour of Greenwich Village and they showed us the <laughs> the building that was used as the exterior shot for the apartment in Friends. Oh, wow. So that was probably the highlight, I'd say. Uh, what was it like? It was like a building. Um, Did you recognise it? Well, not until he pointed it out and then I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's big like that. <laughs> of course, I had a quick picture next to it and then yeah, moved on. obviously. Um, well, I stayed in... New York correspondent Gordon McRae's apartment. Uh, this is a main reason why we went on the holiday. It was because he was coming back here for Christmas. So I emailed him in about October and was like, are you going to be in New York for Christmas? Because I'm thinking about coming out. And he said, oh, no, unfortunately, mate, I'm coming back to Guernsey for Christmas. And I just replied, that is fantastic. <laughs> fantastic news. We're having your apartment. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was all right. Nice. And, yeah, I, my review of Gordon's apartment... Decent. Trendy? Trendier? Not as trendy as I was expecting. Right. Um, but, I mean, it is, it is it, I'm led to believe it's in the kind of... It's in Williamsburg, isn't it? Mm, Greenpoint. Greenpoint. It's in yeah. Greenpoint. 
which is a, yeah close. But that, I mean, that's like, still yeah. He's getting on. He's, he's on the way. Uh, but yeah, it was a great holiday tone. Thanks for asking. Good to hear it. Um, but we should probably talk about some cricket because yeah. there's a lot of cricket happening around the world at the moment. I don't know if you noticed that tone. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get our teeth into some slash all of that tonight. New Zealand, Sri Lanka, Australia, India. South Africa, West Indies. I'm just naming cricket teams at the moment. I'll name some cricket players for you as well. Dhoni, Cook, Sangakara. You know, lots to talk about. Quite a lot's happened. Yeah, well, it's been a few weeks since we recorded an episode, hasn't it? So tough to tough to keep up. So we should probably get on with it because uh, I could do with getting out of here not that late. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, I need an early night time. I'm jet lagged, aren't I? Bloody jet, jet lag. Hey? Still? Yeah, I find it surprisingly bad when you come back from the States. Yeah. It's because you you skip a night because you fly in the evening and then you arrive early morning and you've just missed that night. So, uh, yeah. Let's crack I'm, on then. Let's not, crack on then. not been feeling that well either. I went to the doctor yesterday. He reckons I'm coming down with a stomach ulcer, which isn't great. I'm stressed. But that's it because <laughs> it's brought on by stress, which seems bizarre because my life consists mostly of f***ing around. <laughs> around the world. On this part of the show, we talk about everything that's been happening around the world. And there's so much test cricket happening around the world at the moment, Tone. Uh, which is a nice thing to enjoy before the deluge of one-day cricket starts imminently. Uh, because the World Cup is very much up in our grill piece now, Tone, isn't it? Valentine's Day, it starts... Less than a month away? Or over a month slightly away? Slightly over a month. You need to check your calendar. So, you know, that's in some ways exciting. And it is one-day cricket that I want to talk about first of all. Uh, on this week's show, specifically about England's one-day team. Uh, because before Christmas, England announced their squad for the World Cup and Alistair Cook is not in it. He's been removed as captain. <laughs> Good reaction. Uh, yeah. <gasps> <laughs> I find myself doing that involuntarily all the time. I was watching the Wimbledon-Liverpool game last night, as you know, I was, I'm a Wimbledon fan. Yeah. I was very excited. <clears throat> and Every time Wimbledon had the ball, even like remotely near the 18-yard box, I just found myself going, <laughs> I didn't mean to. It was, yeah, after a while, I was like, I need to have a word with myself. Uh, well, anyway, uh, yeah, Cook's been removed as captain. I didn't think it would happen, Tone. Did you think it would happen? Uh, well, and uh, that's question one and question two. Are you pleased it's happened? Uh, yes. Is it, let's answer them in reverse order. Yes. Uh, I guess what the ECB have done is leave it as late as possible to the point where really it would have been more sensible to leave him in <laughs> yeah. and then drop him. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's another bungle from the ECB. They should have cut him earlier. Yeah, we all know that. You know, in, you know, we can at least move on with some confidence. I say, well, com- confidence is way too strong a word, but with some glimmer of hope for the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, with some something. Something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does, like, it does to me feel like a, a weight has been lifted. You know, the sun is coming out, Tone. And the glorious uplands of Gary Balance are being <laughs> revealed. Barney Rone wrote an article in the Guardian, and he just uh, made one point that I thought that, that really hit the nail on the head, which was that you know England will still get beaten at the World Cup, but at least they'll get beaten in new and more interesting ways. <laughs> and that's kind of it, isn't it? It's, yeah. I just feel better about the World Cup now because while England clearly aren't going to win it, at least it will be more entertaining to watch. And it, it's like England at the last World Cup, you know, two thousand and three in 2007 are bad memories for an England fan but for me at least 2011 isn't that bad a memory even though they got beaten in the quarterfinals never looked like they were going to win it never came close to winning it but I didn't really mind because at least they played some exciting cricket and in that tournament they 
They played really well and beat South Africa. They had some really exciting games against West Indies, Ireland, even though they lost. You know, that that there were big things that went wrong in that tournament, but at least it was it was exciting to be an England fan in that tournament. With Cook as captain, it's not that exciting to be an England fan. But I think with Morgan as captain and with this slightly new team that follows as a result of that, I'm more energised by the prospect of, of England at the World Cup. Yeah, and that's echo, something at least. Yeah, I definitely echo all of that. And also, if it's done anything, it's saved us the bother of having to debate it at length probably for every programme between now between now and the start of the World Cup and probably well into the World Cup as well. Because, I mean, that would have been... You know, it's just cut that whole rot out, hasn't it? I mean, I feel bad calling him that, but more the debate, really. Yeah. The whole, as you say, the weight has been lifted and it's just, you know, can actually concentrate on some other things now. Well, we've already been talking about it, like, every show for the last six months or so. So, I mean, you have got to feel sorry for him, though, for the rot, as you just called him, Tone. Uh, you've got to feel sorry for the rot uh, because, as we've said many, many times, he is a really nice bloke and it, it pains me to think of him on the farm just crying into his cereal uh, because, you know, you, you've got the... Into the, his cereal crops. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the, the very obvious sense that he really desperately wanted to lead England to the World Cup because if he didn't want it that badly, he would have, you know, voluntarily left quite some time ago. And he became England captain just after the last World Cup. So he's had basically the entire four-year cycle, but never played at a World Cup. I think uh, I saw a stat the other day that I think he's two or three on the list of players with the highest number of ODIs played to have never played at a World Cup. And that is a shame because it must be, an, it's, you know, it's, it's an event, isn't it? It's a different experience. Although that, yeah, the English cricket isn't all about giving Alice a cricket experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's a shame that I've never played yeah, at a World Cup. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I deserve to go. You're and right say, at the bottom of the list of <laughs> players who've never played the ODI. <laughs> I never played at the World Cup. But he, he doesn't deserve to play at the World Cup is the unfortunate truth. But having said that, I still feel bad for him because, you know, I just think this whole thing has been mishandled to a quite spectacular degree by the management like you say they've almost left it so late that it's now the wrong decision to get rid of him but not quite I think in the end it is still the right decision but just even the way that they dealt with it you know with Paul Downton coming out a few days before and giving him his full backing <laughs> and then sitting in on the selection meeting I mean what must that have been like he's like yeah I don't have a vote but I'm just going to sit in so you just picture you know Mick Newell and everyone sitting there and Paul Townsend is just in their shoulder <laughs> going don't mind me lads I'm uh... No, I'm just here. I, I, you, don't, don't worry about me. Just carry on as carry on as normal. It's a joke, isn't it? The whole thing's a joke. I mean, I, I also like Cook. I think pitched up at the darts like 24 hours later after being dropped. And so I think someone made quite a, an accurate comment saying, you know, what if that had been Peterson 24 hours after being dropped had turned up and having a jolly? Fair enough, though. Fair enough. Well, he's got a few months now to do whatever he likes, and and that's really good because you know, as we've said before, one of the the biggest problems is that his disastrous ODI form and the, the pressure of the captaincy in that format as well is negatively impacting on him, both his test form and his test technique as well. So if he can just go away and concentrate on test cricket again, hopefully we'll, we'll get the old Alistair Cook back, you know, the world-class test batsman that he hasn't been for quite some time. Um, so it's just good news all round, to be honest. And it's not often in the last year that we've been able to say that about England, you know, in any respect. So... Um, Let's move on to the Southern Hemisphere because there are three test series going on down there at the moment. And there's one really interesting series uh, that's taking place in New Zealand. Um, the Kiwis are playing Sri Lanka. 
arguably the two most interesting teams in the world right now, would you say? Or the two teams... Two of the five most interesting, I think. <laughs> well, yeah. Two of the probably most endearing to the neutrals. Yeah, that's because they're small, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So well, that's a large part of it. I mean, if you think about that, the, the kind of eight big test nations, they're all endearing, apart from England, Australia <laughs> and India. Yeah. But maybe at they the moment... bastards. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them. But maybe at the moment, New Zealand and Sri Lanka are at the top of the list, if only because they're playing some fantastic cricket. Yeah, they're agreed. Probably they've got the, some phenomenal players. Probably the, the two sides who had the best years in 2014, I would say, um, relative to their position. Now, well, as we're recording this, there's still one day left of this test series, the fifth day of the second and final test in Wellington. Uh, but barring something extraordinary, New Zealand will complete a series win there because Sri Lanka face a quite daunting task of chasing down 390 in the fourth innings. Uh, and it's been a remarkable game. To begin with, it looked very tough to bat on the wicket. New Zealand were all out for 221, uh, with three wickets for Lakmal, four wickets for Pradeep. Then just an astonishing innings from Kumar Sangakkara. He scored 203 out of a total of 356, uh, which gave uh, Sri Lanka a first innings lead of 135. Uh, New Zealand were 159 for five at one point, so they were not that far ahead in the game uh, when Kane Williamson and BJ Watling came together. They ended up declaring on 524 for five. Uh, A world record partnership of 365 between Williamson and Watling. Uh, yeah, as I say, meant that they, they set Sri Lanka 390 uh, in the fourth innings. And Sri Lanka were 45 for one at the end of day four. So, you know, it's not completely impossible that they'd pull that off. They need another 345. But that would be tough on the final day anyway. And you've got to say that, you know, New Zealand are probably favourites to win it at this point with a draw second favourites. I mean, what an extraordinary partnership between Williamson and Watling. Williamson scored 242 not out, Watling 142 not out. They just unveiled a plaque in Wellington Tone to commemorate the partnership between McCullum and Watling at that ground last year, which was a world record for the sixth wicket. Uh, so William, Williamson and Watling have now got and broken it. So everyone's probably quite annoyed with because <laughs> they've just invested in this plaque. <laughs> Second plaque. They're going to need a new plaque. Uh, I'm afraid. I could not believe my eyes when I saw the scorecard this morning. So I, I thought, I, I refreshed my app, this my cricket scores app this morning, and I thought, this must be an old game. This doesn't make sense. Uh, because, you know, when they came together, Williamson and Watling, they were kind of fighting to, to keep New Zealand's head above water, and they've ended up 542 for five. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, pretty nuts. What is that sixth wicket record, isn't it? Yeah, world record for the sixth wicket. Yeah. Well, it's been some amazing. I mean, yeah, we go back to the first test. The uh, the knock from McCullum, uh, one ninety five off one hundred and thirty four, was pretty astonishing as well. Just absolutely slayed everything that moved. And he's had just a, a, a an unbelievable twelve months, hasn't he? And uh, great to watch when in full flow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think if if New Zealand do uh, complete the victory in the series, there'll be good value for it because they did win pretty handsomely in Christchurch on the back of that McCullum innings and also some quite magnificent bowling uh, from Trent Bolt and Tim Salvey uh, who took 13 wickets between them in the game and I would say you know as a new ball partnership they've got to be up there with Stain and Philander um, as the best in the world at the moment and you know real kind of classic swing bowling as well and um, Trent Bolt in particular I think is is a genuine world-class bowler at this point and yeah New Zealand are just a very exciting team to watch and just a very very good team it just seems to be they seem to be going from strength to strength 
you know, we're saying all of this, and Sri Lanka will probably win tomorrow, and yeah. it will be very different. But Sangakkara will score another two hundred. Well, would you necessarily put money against Sangakkara doing anything that he wants to at the moment? No, I mean that's the other remarkable story is not out of this series. Sangakkara smashing records left, right, and was it so? And indeed, centre. <laughs> was it fastest to twelve thousand runs? Yeah, in Test history, he's now. Uh, one behind Don Bradman on the list of most test double centuries. He's joint top for the most test double centuries away from home. And he'd originally said that he was going to retire after this game. So I think he's, he's now saying he's going to stick around for a little bit, isn't he? He's hastily backtracking. <laughs> he can't retire now, surely, can he? I mean, he's the best batsman in the world at the moment. Yeah, he may as well continue for a little bit. Milk, milk the form and milk the, uh, yeah, milk the position he's in. Break another few records. Beat Bradman. I think that is probably quite appealing that's probably quite a large part of then well i mean yeah you, you wouldn't knowing that you have to score a double hundred to, that's like <laughs> the one thing you need to do before you can retire might get quite torturous <laughs> yeah it's quite a large it's not like i'll oh, get another 50 or, or get another 100 yeah, it took tendulkar bloody ages didn't it <laughs> to get that century no that's true uh so to get a double century it might take him a little while but who knows we'll probably do it tonight well there's two things about it there's two things why he might still be tempted to retire aside from anything else he's got going on in his life which has led him to this decision in the first place but the first one is that we always say oh it's a shame that they didn't go out when they were on top you know we said it about <laughs> Tendulkar Ponting um, Hayden lots of others over the years that you, you know they reach a point where they're no good anymore and you say oh it's what a shame that they didn't go out when they were on top so if Sankakara does go out when he's on top I don't think anyone could criticise him for that but the other thing is that, you know, maybe part of the reason why he has been so unbelievably prolific in the last year is because in his in his head he saw I am retiring in January twenty fifteen. Um and you know, so maybe that's kind of focused all his energy and if he's now decides I'll I'll extend it indefinitely, maybe that will disrupt that focus. But, you know, who's to say it? And like I say, you just would not bet against him doing anything at the moment. Because in, in test and one day cricket, I think he's the best batsman in the world currently. From the point of view of the game, you would feel it would be depriving us of something if he if he does indeed bow out now. He's one of the real kind of giants of a, of an era as well, and it's an era that is rapidly disappearing. There's not many left from that, you know, late nineties, early noughties. Um, the post Atherton era. The post Atherton era, you might say. Um, so it would be a shame to to lose another one and another one of his stature. Uh, well, let's hop across the Tasman Sea, Tone. Hop across with me, will you? Uh, to Australia, uh, where the Aussies and India are in the middle of the final test of their series. It's a dead rubber in Sydney because Australia sealed the series with a draw in the Boxing Day test at the MCG. As we're recording this, only the first day has been played uh, and Australia finished it on 348 for two. 100 for Dave Warner, uh, 95 for Chris Rogers, uh, 82 not out for Steve Smith, 61 not out for Shane Watson. Just a pretty bad day at the office for India. I mean, saying that, they have been a little bit better in this series than perhaps they were three years ago uh, when they got absolutely humiliated. Uh, but still, they haven't won a game. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to win this game. They've only won one test away from home in the last three and a half years. So, you know, this series isn't going to go down as a as a big success, really, is it? In England, their batsmen really, really struggled, didn't they? But in Australia, it's been the bowlers. They just, they just don't have... They seemingly don't have the bowlers to inflict enough damage i mean australia in this test looked well on course to go past 500 for the fourth consecutive time in the first innings um well steve smith's completely flunked as captain hasn't he he's been you know <laughs> with the bat particularly uh i mean he'll probably go on and score a big big knock in this i mean what's he got in the series so far 
he's got 663 runs in the series, and he's at the crease, isn't he, at the moment? 82 not out. That's insane. I mean, you think Alistair Cook got, what, 740 or something in that that landmark, that Cook series <laughs> yeah. um, four years ago. But that was five tests. Uh, and as you say, Smith could end up w- with comfortably more than that in four. And it's Steve Smith. How, yeah. is, he, how is he doing it? <laughs> Remarkable. And when you, when you throw Warner into the equation there, I mean, that's... A, that's a frightening, some frightening prospect. And then, you know, the rest of the battle line have chipped in on that time, so... It is frightening, but then, you know, having said that, like I say, I, I'm just it's not the, sure that yeah. the bowling attack is up to all that much because while those batsmen are good, I'm not sure they're quite that good. And, and the, the word pop gun is being bandied around to describe this Indian attack at the moment. I saw some wag on Twitter commenting that, you know, it really must be bad because Shane Watson's got a 50 because um, his form has been pretty hopeless for some time now. So, yeah, not a great series for India. A very good one for Australia. And, you know, given everything that happened leading up to it, it couldn't have gone better in a lot of ways. And, you know, obviously Dave Warner with a very emotional century in Sydney. And I hesitate to use the word catharsis because that sort of implies that they'll move on, which, of course, they won't. But, it, it you know, it, it is a, a, a big and nice thing that they were able to perform so well in this series because it could have gone the other way for them. In many ways, the, the big story to come from the MCG was the retirement of MS Dhoni, the India captain. With the series gone, he very abruptly announced his resignation from the captaincy yeah, and his retirement from Test cricket. Out of the blue. What did he make of it, Tone? Should he have stuck it out till the end of the series, at least? Graham Swan got a lot of criticism last year <laughs> after retiring in similar circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily see the merit of retiring mid-series. I don't know. You'd think the, the sensible thing would be to play out the series do you think he's, he's leaving them in the lurch a bit well I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it seems as bad as you know the deserters from the England tour <laughs> <laughs> just because uh, you know that was abs- that was abject this has at least been what's the difference oh you mean the, the series was abject yeah I mean this hasn't been great from his perspective but I well know. I swear th- there's an argument that well if Cody's going to take over he may as well start now you know it's a, it's a good uh, test for him face Australia in these conditions but the thing is like I defended Swan from the criticism that he got you know where I chained myself to the <laughs> railings uh, outside the ECB I think the big difference there is that Swan was injured and you know Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He was saying, uh, I- I'm, I'm not performing to um, the level that I should be performing at to play test cricket because of because my body's letting me down I need to retire 
But that's not the case with Dhoni. You know, he's still playing on in one-day cricket. He basically just doesn't want to play Test anymore, which is fine. But to do that mid-series and, you know, to force a change in the captaincy, um, to me just seems like, yeah, as I say, like he is leaving them in the lurch a little bit. I, I, I think he could have played on until the end of the series at least. Yeah, I mean, you, you make a, a commitment, don't you? You're like, yeah, if you say I'm going to play a series, you're going to play a series. Unlike Dhoni, is it to be self-centred? The BCCI should have hired you as an enforcer, Tone, to go around. When you say you're going to Just play a series, you play a series. Knock on the door. <laughs> Give him a little pep talk. I could, uh, do, I could do that job. A knuckle sandwich from Tony. <laughs> you, uh, you're not a big fan of Dhoni, are Not you? massive. No, not huge. No, I mean, he's a pretty phenomenal cricketer, isn't he? But he's done some stupid stuff. As, as, as his uh, career's worn on. You think he's selfish? Yeah, selfish, arrogant. Stupid at times. What what incidents are you thinking of? Well, you know, it's recently, you know, in the summer we watched a bit of him, didn't we? And he's hogging the strike so he can finish the game with a six. There's some instances. Mm. Uh, you know, behind the stumps as well. You've just got the sense he was either getting bored at times or or just lost interest, really. Yeah, it's sort of similar things, but yeah, it's tautology, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that has always been. But, but I mean, yeah, there have been some remarkable feats, and yeah. It, he will live long in cricket history, won't he? Because he's done, you know, some of the things he's done as captain, but also the way he played the game. Absolutely. His shot yeah. making. Producing a match winning innings in the World Cup final. You know, he's going to go down. Certainly for Indian fans, he'll go down as, as one of their all time favourite players. I wouldn't say I necessarily like him. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of cricketers I'd put higher up the list of Adam's most liked people. Uh, and yeah, I think there has always been. A sense that he he doesn't care very much about Test cricket, you know, limited overs cricket. He cares about a lot, but he's not really that fussed about Tests, and that has been borne out here to leave mid series to not even want the fanfare of a, a farewell match. He could have said after the MCG, Sydney's going to be my last Test. Just not even really wanting that. I mean, he he did still lead India to twenty seven victories from sixty Tests as captain, and he averaged close to forty with the bat as a wicketkeeper. So his record is by no means bad. Uh, and it's not necessarily, you know, obviously on his watch, India have been, as I say, awful away from home. But it's not necessarily his fault that they've been awful away from home because they weren't great away from home before he took over. Uh, but, and this is something we'll talk about in a minute, but, you know, in, in recent times, India have seen a big shift in focus away from Test cricket and towards 2020. And there's been, you know, there have been problems in their Test team, I think, as a result of that, or at least partly as a result of that. And Dhoni has presided over that and I think been a big cause of that. So he does take some responsibility for India's problems, I would say. Nonetheless, as you say, phenomenal player and at, j- just for his batting alone, Test cricket is poorer for him not being there. Uh, well, Dhoni stepping down uh, means that Virat Kohli takes over and that means that there is yet another new captain in international cricket. If Michael Clark doesn't return and Steve Smith is made captain permanently, that will make Alistair Cook the second longest-serving Test match captain. For South Africa, you've got Amler as a recent appointment. For West Indies, Dinesh Ramdin's a recent appointment. Uh, Angelo Matthews, Brendan McCullum are relatively recent appointments for Sri Lanka and New Zealand. Mizbar's been there for quite some time. He's, he started in 2010, towards the end of 2010, so he's, he's done four years. But yeah, it's just new captains every, everywhere you look. And as I sort of uh, alluded to with Sangakara as well, We've lost Smith recently. Dhoni's now gone. Clark potentially gone. There's a big hole in cricket there. You know, are, are we in the middle of a kind of transitional period from from one era to the next? 
Yeah, when you paint that sort of picture. Uh, I guess a little bit, you know, some of these captains, you know, these captains have been around a long time. Like Graham Smith, particularly. You know, big characters. But I, I suppose, what, you know, you, you do wonder, you wonder how long these guys will last, what test, you know, what cricket will look like when they're passing on the mantle. Yeah, it's, it's a, if it's a transition from one era to another, it could be to a, a very different era. Well, let's, let's talk about that in just a second time because uh, that brings us on to uh, the last test series that I want to talk about, which is South Africa v West Indies, uh, which finished today on Tuesday uh, with South Africa wrapping up a win in Cape Town uh, to complete a 2-0 series victory. So they've won another test series. West Indies have lost another test series. And it was a shame in a way because West Indies did show some flickers of competitiveness. At one point on the fourth afternoon in Cape Town, there did seem a, a realistic possibility that West Indies would set up a win that would draw the series. There was so much rain in Port Elizabeth uh, that the second test was pretty much a washout. So it was 1-0 um, and West Indies were 182 for three uh, with a lead just over 100. Uh, and he thought maybe if they can get to sort of 250, 260, or even a little bit less than that, they might have a chance of putting some pressure on South Africa. But then they collapsed dramatically from 182 for three, uh, and then 202 for four to 215 all out, uh, with Dale Steyn returning to blow away the tail. Uh, and that meant that South Africa only had to chase 124, and Dean Algar was unbeaten on 60 as they got there with eight wickets in hand. Uh, so it ended as a pretty comfortable win. And it's a shame because, as I say, I think, you know, they I wouldn't say they're almost there, but they've got some young players who do produce these glimpses of brilliance. Craig Brathwaite uh, made a brilliant century in the series. Uh, but these youngsters, they produce it in patches, but they just can't seem to produce it often enough to have much chance of success in Test cricket, let alone against South Africa. Uh, but Tone, uh, this week, Clive Lloyd... Uh, the former captain came out and said that the biggest problem for cricket in the Caribbean is 2020. Let me read you this article uh, from Cricket <laughs> I read Info. this. Maybe laugh. <laughs> T20 has messed our cricket up. Lloyd. Former West Indies captain Clive Lloyd has said that West Indies cricket has been messed up by the T20 format, creating a situation where playing tests for the country did not seem to be a paramount goal for the players. Speaking at the annual New Year's lecture in Cape Town, Lloyd said that the ICC needed to be stronger and that the game could not be ruled by only three countries, uh, a reference to the governance and financial restructuring of the ICC, uh, which took place last year. Quote, The players earn a good wage and that's the situation that they have. They have the choice to play Test cricket or T20. We are small islands and if you get a whole host of money, you are a king. This T20 competition has messed our cricket up. Someone like Andre Russell, I spoke to him only a month ago and said you can get into our Test side because you are one of the best all-rounders in the world. A couple of weeks later, he told me he has, he has got a bad knee and could only play one days. It's such a waste that we have a guy who could be a great cricketer who is now not thinking of playing both formats. We have contracts, probably not as exorbitant as others, but they're getting good money. It doesn't seem playing for our country is paramount where these players are concerned. I don't think there is any cricketer who should strike for money now because they are well paid. We have to impart to our young people the importance of playing for your country. Money is a subsidiary of success. So yeah, Lloyd basically saying that there's so much money on offer in the T20 leagues around the world that West Indies players are much more interested in that than in playing international cricket and that that's the biggest problem for them. He also goes he went on to say as well that it was tough for the West Indies because they have to fly everywhere and that there should be a retirement fund for ex-cricketers paid for by one test a series. <laughs> Which made me laugh. I don't know if he's talking about him. Yeah, he needs some money. 
Yeah, he says, uh, where West Indies is concerned, we have a special case. We have to fly everywhere. We can't drive anywhere. You can't go by boat either. It's expensive for West Indies to hold test series. Yeah. yeah presumably, though, West Indies aren't paying for, like, you know, England to fly in. No. I don't know what he's talking about there. Is he talking about... Can't be that expensive. My reaction to that was it can't be that expensive. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and in, like, Australia, they do fly around. Like, they're, yeah. not, they're not driving from Perth to Sydney, are they? No. But, well, I, mean, but yeah. I like the idea of going by boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the England players go by boat from Durham to London. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, he's got some valid points, hasn't he? Yeah, it'll only be when, you know, in 50 years' time, when you step <laughs> back and you look at what, what changed when that you actually see what happened. I guess, you know, it's still, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see what's happening. Well, I I would have said that until a year or so ago, and now I am starting to be able to see that it has changed. If you think back to kind of 204, 205 time, you know, cricket is very different now. And that, there's two ways in which T20 is affecting things, or, that, or at least two. The first is that what Lloyd's talking about, that it's... And creating a situation where players for particularly the smaller nations are more interested in playing in the leagues around the world than they are in playing for their country because they can earn more money there and that's kind of understandable in many respects and Lloyd saying you know money's not important you should want to play for your country well you know it is people's careers and it, no matter how much you enjoy your career it's quite difficult to say that if you can get paid like eight times your annual salary for doing six weeks work that yeah. that people should be um, that people shouldn't want to do that. I always think, you know, I always think about the thing like that when people say, like, oh, you know, it's, it, you know, how dare this footballer move from, you know, what lack of loyalty that is. But I really enjoy working where I work with, you know, people I like, uh, you know, friends. But if someone came along and said, you know, I'll pay five times as much to come work for me, it, I'd start yeah. going. Like, I wouldn't even think about well, it. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's like, I'll, so, I'll pay five times as much to come and work mornings. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's basically what it is. Yeah, it? so it's like you can't really blame anyone for that. So that's the first way in which it's affecting it, but it's also arguably affecting the way in which cricket is played as well and the techniques of the players. This is th- That's slightly more debatable, I think, because for every uh, Flash Harry T20 player who can't cut it at test level, you also have people like Dave Warner, who you know bosses it at T20 and then eventually starts bossing it in Test cricket as well. Uh, and I always think about this thing because people always say, "Oh, you know, he'll never cut it at Test level." And particularly in England, it's like Alex Hales or someone they say he'll never cut it at Test level. And I do think that, <laughs> and it's possible that maybe Tell he won't. Tell yourself that. <laughs> so, again, I have to have a word with myself because <laughs> if you think if T20 had been around 15 years ago. Verinda Sehwag and Matthew Hayden and these kind of players would obviously have made their name in T20 first of all. So the idea that they wouldn't be good enough to translate that into the test arena as well is a bit absurd. But then maybe T20 is actually changing the way that people play. Is it making batsmen more impatient? Is it making bowlers very good at getting people caught at long one but maybe not able to kind of deliver six balls on a good length consistently? Yeah, I mean, I wonder in terms of change all round whether there's you know a bit of a lag time with it because you know at the moment you know the majority of coaches and kind of senior executives and you know the establishment in cricket you know come from an era where Test cricket was was the bee's knees uh, and that was that was what you did. Uh, but you know, twenty thirty years down the line, when Jeffrey Boycott's dead, uh, and you know like you know the trickle through. <laughs> of players from this generation 
now who've kind of been radicalized by, by the kind of T20, you know, when they're coaching and when they're, you know, when they're delivering Clive Lloyd's speech to whoever it was or when they're chairman of the board, maybe there's, maybe there's not as many people at that point saying, yeah, hammering, the, you know, hammering their fists saying, you know, test cricket should be the ultimate. Yeah, absolutely. And at which and point, you know, is that when it changes? And then it, it, like, test cricket just becomes kind of a hipster revivalist kind of idea. Yeah, they'd be playing in, in Greenpoint and Williams. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't want that to happen, though. This is the thing. Like, for me, that's a, that's a dystopian future that you're painting there because test cricket just is better, in my view. And I love 2020. I absolutely love it. But has the market decided that though? Well, yeah, possibly. But that's this is. I think this is the the great question for cricket going forward: is how do you reconcile the financial and commercial success of twenty twenty with the history and the tradition and the importance of Test cricket? And if the market, if if people are saying that you know they're only interested in T twenty and they're not interested in Tests, both players and spectators then clearly Test Cricket is going to die. But for me, that is a... No, oh, I don't want it either, mate. A, I don't want it either. That's devastating. And as much as I enjoy 2020, I don't care about it. I like it, but I don't care. Whereas Test Cricket, I don't like it. I do like it. <laughs> but I re- And I really, really care about it. So kind of the, the question, it, to put that question another way, is how do you reconcile the success of 2020 with the fact that Test Cricket is better? Like, how can we make people realise... That test cricket, like if new fans are coming in to cricket through 2020, that's fantastic. So, how, but how do you make them realise that test cricket is even better? Uh, uh, and well, I don't think anyone's got a solution to that, and I certainly don't. When you say new fans, are we talking about new fans, 30 year old guys who've never previously been that into cricket, or are you talking about kids? <clears throat> if a, kids growing up, you know, are going to be drawn to T20, is it? It's sweeter, it's sugarier. There's some really interesting stats. I don't have them in front of me now, but the um, the Big Bash have just released about uh, last season. It's something like, you know. It's a very high percentage of of fans are kids, much higher than for international matches, and a very high percentage are female. And I think well over fifty percent of those female fans that was the first cricket match that they'd been to was their first Big Bash game. So there clearly are new fans being brought to T20, and there'll also be people who maybe have been to cricket before, you know, kind of like cricket, get into it much more through T20. But then presumably there is also, you know, a, a natural conversion of play, you know, fans who perhaps get into it via T20 and then, you know, you want the next, you want the next hit, don't you? Well, that's the idea, and I, and I hope so. Um, but not necessarily, because we're, you're not seeing those kind of crowds. Like, the crowds for the Big Bash this season have actually been quite significantly larger than for the India Test matches in Australia. And to me, that's really worrying. But... Like you say, if the market decides that, well, what can you do about it? Not a lot. I mean, you'd say you need to make you need to make Test cricket more appealing to those people, which is where the idea of like day night matches and that sort of thing comes in. Well, I mean, but it, to it, me, it's just like making those people understand <laughs> that, that, that it is well better. Like it is better. Well, I mean, it, it ultimately, it rests on the shoulders of the ICC and our, our ever reliable. <laughs> Uh, you know, administrators, <clears throat> our, our overlords. But there, I mean, it is up to the ICC to sit, and the boards. I think then you know, cricket in terms of maintaining interest, it needs a variety of of Test cricket and T uh, Twenty. There's no point in letting Test cricket die, and then yeah, because eventually people will get bored of Twenty Twenty cricket. Well, yeah, it's too I, much I, of it. I there's no, so. there's no, yeah, as we always talk about, there's no context. There's no, you know, who knows what's happening. At any one stage. Yeah, you, you enjoy the match when it's 
going on. It's like fast food. <clears throat> I'm sure we've used this yeah. before. <laughs> now, you enjoy the match as it's happening, but then it goes and the next one comes along and you don't remember any of them particularly. Like there's, there's maybe I could count the number of T20 matches that I can actually remember what happened ever. Whereas I remember pretty much every test match that England have played in the last 15 years, you know, because I care about it. But then maybe that's just me. Well, not just You're me. Weird. You're a dinosaur, very mate. much You're in the minority. A relic. But I just think it's tragic. If you like cricket, then to me, you like it for reasons that are amplified to the greatest extent in test cricket. I mean, it's not a debate that settles it. It's not, it's not a, there's no answers yet. No, absolutely. There's a lot of questions. Yeah. And I, I think it's premature to say that test cricket's dying. I don't actually think that's true. But it's clearly being marginalised. And I think, um, like, I, I don't think the ashes will ever die. I think, you know, that's, that's obviously still going to keep happening. I mean, we, but we, do people in the West Indies and other parts of the world care that much? Are we, are we going to see that many more, you know, like Clive Lloyd's talking about, are these players... Are the West Indies players gonna, you know, are the West Indies gonna continue to be able to produce teams that are competitive at Test standard if the players don't really care that much? No, although I suppose if you, you know, somewhere like the West Indies, where you know perhaps cricket popularity on the whole has been on the the wane, yeah, uh, and to fly everywhere as well, and you fly everywhere, so that's really difficult. Uh, and you know, so, you know, there are other sports that are more enticing to youngsters. Uh, you know, maybe just getting you know getting them into cricket of any kind first of all, and then once you kind of you can then indoctrinate them into the uh, you know the history of it. You know, people aren't complete idiots, are they? Like you know, <laughs> if they come, you know, you know, kids will learn eventually. They'll 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 want to be a part of that. Yeah, history. Well, I hope so. But then you know, I know kids who you ask them who their favourite cricketer is, and they say, you know, Kyron Pollard or Glenn Maxwell or someone. And you think, no, <laughs> no, it isn't. The ICC should hire me as an enforcer to go around and say... Lecturing children. You will like test cricket. <laughs> Sit down and watch Jonathan Trot. Much like the past few days at Westminster, this episode of the World Cricket Show marks the start of an endless slog through 2015 towards a very distant goal, and it already feels depressingly tedious. So if possible, Tone, I'd like to bring it to an end now. You're welcome. Rubbish, isn't it? It's all rubbish, politics. Nonsense. I've been reading a lot of Russell Brand. Today. Oh, yeah, have you? I, I, don't, I don't want to take a ride on the bejeweled bus of privilege anymore. I'm <laughs> sick of it. Have you actually been reading some Brand? No, absolutely not. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, it's pretty quite so The Cricket World Cup will last almost as long as the, uh, <laughs> the election campaign, won't it? Virtually. Yeah, well, that'll take us up to the start of the election campaign. Yeah. Probably, so. It'll be a fun few months. <laughs> Oh, presumably we'd do all the uh, the usual festivities for the World Cup, the fantasy World Cup. I thought you were going to say for the election. <laughs> I think we did do some uh, some pretty razor-sharp election coverage five years ago. Uh, yeah, we'll do we'll do the fantasy the fantasy World Cup for sure. All the usual stuff. Start doing your homework now, Tim. I will. I've picked my team already. Had Alistair Cook in it, but I had to drop it. <laughs> uh, what you got lined up for this year then, Tim? This year, yeah. Today, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not sure. We should probably go try and get across and watch some ashes. Yeah, we should watch some cricket. We I, should I, watch some cricket. When was the last time I went to cricket? Tain. What is this cricket? <laughs> I think the I think the last game I went to was in 2009. That's <laughs> how many podcasts have we done since then? <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, you're really supporting awful. the game. I was saying I've got any money left to 
buy cricket tickets. I spent it all on Rugby World Cup tickets. Oh, really? Yeah. Against the Ruggers World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I can see England Wales, two hundred and fifteen pounds the what? ticket for what? that, which is actually a bit of a joke, isn't it? Eye watering. I, I, my eyes are still watering from that. <laughs> yeah, I might try and get to a couple of other games as well. I think if uh, Tony Kerr from circa two thousand nine <laughs> knew that you had spent two hundred and fifteen pounds on rugby tickets, he'd be physically sick <laughs> because you detested rugby your whole life until yeah. about three years ago. Yeah, I've got quite into it. It's reneged on all my. All of myself. You're just trying to impress a girl, basically. No, absolutely not. A girl who no. likes rugby. No. I've got no plans for 2015, really, Tane. I've made no resolutions. It kind of it snuck up on me a bit this year. Everyone's the same, though. Everyone's got the same resolutions, so there's no point in making them. Everyone's made them for you already. and let them I'll let you know about it on social media. Well, what's yours? To read a book? It's get up. Oh, I don't know. I've noticed that a real trend of people getting up earlier. Have you seen this? No. Everyone's like getting up earlier. It's a resolution. It's a resolution. Yeah, I'm going to get up at seven a.m. I'm going to get up at yeah. What have you? I keep seeing photos of uh, uh, people posting photos on Instagram and stuff of like you know this is what I saw at six a.m. While you, everyone else is in bed, what did you? See? It's just like you know a, a pretty lousy sunrise over like some grey city. It's like yeah, it's pretty. No, I, no, I like getting up. You know, mix it up. Lying some days, get up early others. You're so angry about this. You need to stop searching for the <laughs> what I saw at 6am hashtag on Instagram because it just makes you angry. Yeah. Stay up later, that's the thing. I, I, who are these people that are waking <laughs> up later? Because I can't physically stay in bed past about 7.30am anymore. It's terrible. I've made no resolutions because, uh, you know, more of the same. More of the same, yeah. yeah. Have fun, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were, we were joking, weren't we? We were laughing before the show. Uh, about this thing that we talk about every year of when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> that vein. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when do you? I mean, it's the 6th of January now, so I think it's still okay. But when does that, yeah. I mean, 20th of January, is that, can you say Happy New Year then? It's that we're in a bit of a grey area, twilight zone, if you like, of small talk. Because now it is also getting too late to say, like, oh, do you have a good Christmas? So it's like, but there's no real to talk about. <laughs> Because it's not the summer yeah. yet, so you can't be like, oh, it's what a nice day. How's your wet January going? Yeah, exactly. Drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> you still off the booze? Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know, there aren't really anything, there's nothing to talk about, nothing small to talk about. Yeah, I, the, the thing with the Happy New Year, I, I like the idea of doing things much later <laughs> than you should do. So, like, I'll you know, stop saying Happy New Year now, but just start again in, like, April. Yeah. Just to see if anyone says anything. It's like I was thinking about making an ice bucket challenge video the other day. <laughs> Because uh, like we should do a Harlem Shake video now. Too. Yeah, we should. We're, that's about as on trend as we are. Yeah, because that's that's a hipster thing. That's the kind of thing they do in Greenpoint, I think. We'll do it now. Just ironic, yeah. No, I don't know. What did you do in Greenpoint? Slept. Yeah. I mean, got up at no later than seven a.m. Really. Uh, did you explore the neighbourhood? A little bit. Brooklyn's interesting because it changes so rapidly as as you walk Gordon's apartment. You just walk one block to the left and it's this kind of industrial wasteland but then you walk another block to the right and it's achingly trendy New York City New York City right that's we should write this up that's what I said when I landed yeah <laughs> you're just like yeah New York City <laughs> alright come on alright then uh, well yeah very quickly if you like the show and based on that little bit I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. Follow us on Twitter. The show account is at 
cricket show. Uh, Tony is at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V W R, and I'm at Adam Bayfield12. You can follow me on Instagram if you want to see some pictures of New York City. Uh, yes, it's Adam Bayfield. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. If you've got a spare couple of minutes, we really appreciate the iTunes reviews that people write for us. Uh, and if you're doing your shopping on Amazon, go first of all to cricketshow.net and follow the link there. And then anything that you buy, we get a little bit of a kickback. Uh, so thanks to everyone who did do that over the holidays. And thanks to everyone as well who bought a Guernsey Beach Guide. This is the book that me and Tony wrote. It's out currently. Uh, just in time for the the high season of January, uh, so yeah, I think to World Cricket Show listeners, we sold over one book. <laughs> so thanks to everyone who bought one. It is, you know, it's a nice little thing. Uh, see where you live. Come and visit don't, when you've well, seen it. Yeah, don't come and stay with us. But with us, but we'll come out for a drink. Well, yeah, Tony will come out for a drink. I'll come you? out for a drink. It's wet January after. Yeah, if you get here in January, I'll come for a drink. But um, yeah, well, I'll check it out. Have a look. More to come guernseybeachguide.com but yeah that's it I think stay in school everybody uh, and we'll see you next week bye bye for now deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 